Today we're learning Daf Hay in Masechet Ta'anit. We are at the Mishnah on Daf Hay Amud Aleph, which is seven lines from the top of the Amud. Ad until when do we ask for rain by saying Veten For Sfaradim, we say the entire different Bachav Barechalenu. Rabbi Yehuda Omer Ad Sheavur Pesach. According to Rabbi Yehuda, it's until Pesach is over. Rabbi Meir Omer Ad Sheetzei Nisan. Until the month of Nisan is over. Shenemar, as it says in the pasuk, and this is a pasuk from. Uh, Sefer Yoel, which is one of the Tzorei uh, Asar, where he says, that the early and late rains will come in the first month. So meaning to say that there's still a possibility of significant rain in the first month, which is Nisan. The Gemara says, Rav Nachman said to Rabbi Yitzchak, Nisan. how could you say that Yoreh is going to come in Nisan? Moreh is another word for Yoreh, the earlier rains. So how could it be in Nisan? Really, Yoreh is supposed to be in Marcheshvan, in the fall, because we said, and here we have a correction in the text. Uh, should say Detanya, as it says in the writer, Yoreh Malkoshvan Malkosh Nisan. That Yoreh is in Malkoshvan Malkoshen in Nisan. Amale Hachia Marbi Yochanan. He said to him, "This is, that Rabbi Yochanan said as follows: The Yoel ben Bituel and it came because this pasuk was fulfilled in the times of Yoel, which is exactly where it's found in that Sefer of, Tan- of Tanach." Tichtiv be it says over there, and it's talking about how all the crops were decimated. It says Yeter Gazam Chalar be Yeter Be Chalayalek. These are all the different locusts that came and completely devastated the crops of that year, so the people were in a lot of trouble. So, that year, uh, Adar passed and there was no rain. In other words, there was nothing uh, at that time. They were in a situation of a famine, and uh, the famine had been for seven years, uh, and that particular year there was also no rain. So uh, so the Navi told them after Adar passed, there still was no rain. So they were looking at another year of famine. The first rain came on the first day of Nisan. The Navi said to the Jewish people, He said to them, go and plant. They said to him, no. Somebody who has any kind, any amount of wheat or barley, he's going to do that. He should eat it. I mean, uh, there could be a famine. He's going to plant it in the ground. Maybe there won't be any more rain and he'll just sit there and rot. Oh, Yisrael, so what is he going to choose? Should he eat it and live or plant it and die? In other words, it's not very wise to plant things in the ground on the prayer that maybe they will uh, sprout when we've had seven years of famine. Amar he said to them, the Navi said to them, Afabikin, said to them, go out and plant. They went out and they found in the in the walls and in the uh, and in the ant holes seeds and uh, uh, that they were able to plant with yatzu v'zaru sheni ushlishu v'rei the second day the third day and the fourth day passed on the fifth of Nisan finally it rained again. They were able actually to bring the barley crop on the sixteenth of Nisan according to the Torah is exactly according to them. We find that produce that normally grows in six months, it grew in 11 days. And generally speaking, the Korban Omer is brought from grain that has grown over six months, but Karav, it grew from grain that was grown in 11 days. And about this generation, the Pasuk says, that uh, those who were Hazorim uh, Bedimah, who were planting while they were crying, they were, they were sowing the seeds while crying, we're reaping in joy. In other words, that the person was walking and uh, who was walking and uh, crying comes back, uh, ends up coming back with the um, the uh, with the grain in his hand. In other words, the idea is that um, 
that it happened so quickly, that pasuk is describing a miraculous situation where they were walking in one direction with no food and, uh, and were crying. And uh, then when they were going back, they already were, uh, you know, shortly after that, they were already harvesting. Now, what does it mean? The, the Gemara is going to say about the second, the last part of the pasuk. What does it mean that they were? That he was crying, holding the seeds. What it means is that when the ox would go to plow, it would be crying because there was no food. When it was walking back, it could already eat some of the sprouts that were growing from the furrow. So that's uh, that's the uh, joy of. Uh, uh, of coming back. What is the person carrying the sheaves? Rav Chista said, and some say it was taught in a bright that, that kane zeret shibolet zorataim, that the kane, the stalk, was a, uh, the length of a zeret, and the shibolet, the part that's edible, is zorataim, was double that. Normally it's the opposite way. Normally the part that's inedible is much, much larger than the part that's edible, but here it was the opposite way. It was uh, very wonderful, and therefore, um, very plentiful food, and therefore the person who was carrying those sheaves was extremely happy. What does it mean in the pasuk? Said Rav Nachman to Rav Yitzchak. He asked him, <coughs> "What does it mean in the pasuk when it says, 'Ki kara Hashem ve'gam is the pasuk. Hashem is called to the hunger, and it has come to the land for seven years. What are they going to eat during those seven years? This what said. The first year they ate what they had in their house. The second year they ate whatever grew in the fields. The third year they subsisted on meat of kosher animals. Fourth year it was non-kosher. The fifth year they had to eat creepy crawly bugs. That's all they had. In the sixth year they already were eating their children's uh, bodies, seemingly they didn't kill them, but they ate the meat of their bodies. They had to cannibalize Shvid, and in the seventh year they were eating their own bodies. Like it says in the Pasuk, that uh, a person will eat the uh, flesh of his own arm. And that's what happened during that famine. another thing It says, In your midst is holy. I will not come into the city. Because there's holiness in the city, I won't come in. What does Hashem say? Rabbi Yochanan explained it. HaKadosh said, I will not come into the Jerusalem above until, until I come into the Jerusalem below. And in other words, meaning to say that until the, uh, then Rashi explains, until the point that in your midst is holiness, in other words, until the Beit HaMikdash is rebuilt, I will not go into, so to speak, I will not dwell, my presence will not dwell in the heavenly Yerushalayim. Is there such a thing as a Jerusalem above? Yes, the built Jerusalem, the built Jerusalem is, Jerusalem is like the city that it is, it is attached to um, together, and that's talking about the heavenly Yerushalayim, which is linked to the Yerushalayim of the earth. What does it mean when it says, "At once they uh, <coughs> they became foolish"? Musar havalim. It is a waste of correction. Etzu. It is a. It is wood. What is this pasuk talking about? So Rashi says. So the Gemara says. My, uh, says, Again, Rabbi Yitzchak had an explanation for Rabbi Yochanan. There's one thing, what it says, it says, There's one thing that burns the sinners in Gainam, in, uh, in, in the afterlife, in the bad afterlife. It says, 
It's idolatry. It says here, Musar Avalim. It is a wasted instruction. Etzu. It is a wood. It says elsewhere, they are meaningless. Acts of foolishness. So it's talking about idolatry. Idolatry is what causes them to be burnt and to uh, be rendered foolish. What does it mean when it says in the Pasuk that my people have done two bad things? And this is a very famous Pasuk in Yirmiyahu in the beginning. What does it mean? Uh, what happened to Tartinu? Uh, uh, it's only two things. There were 24 things that were forgiven and forgotten. I mean, there are 24 things that Yechezkel lists that were the sins of the people of the generation of the Beit HaMikdash. What happened to those that there's only two now? There's one sin really fundamentally that's counted as two. What is it? Again, it's idolatry. Because it says that my people did two Evil things. The first thing is that they abandoned me, the source of living waters, to dig for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that don't contain the water, meaning they rejected Hashem and they embraced idolatry. And it says over there, it says if you go and you look at the other nations, go and look at the Kitaim, the Kedar Shulchovit Bonamod. Go look at Kedar and see, and take a look. And it, and it says, The people ever switch gods, even if they have an idolatrous God that doesn't offer them anything, they still never switch it. They stay loyal to their God, right? And my people, and my people gave up their honor for a, for a useless God. In other words, they sacrificed their God. They, even idolaters who have gods that don't do anything, don't give them up. They're loyal. But the Jewish people gave up the true God for nothingness. And that's exactly what it was saying in the Pasuk in Yirmiyahu, that there were two evil things. One was that they gave up Hashem, and then they cho- they dug cisterns. In other words, they invented a substitute, idolatry that didn't really offer them any benefit. Tana kuti'im ovdim la'ish. The kuti'im worshipped fire. kedari'im ovdim la'ish. And the people of Kedar worshipped water. Even though they know that water extinguishes fire. Nobody gave up worshipping the fire, even though they knew that it was vulnerable to being extinguished by water. That didn't change. And yet, the Jewish people abandoned their honor for meaningless, for useless God, even though they have the true God, they, um, they abandoned it. And that, those are the two sins, abandoning Hashem and then making a substitute that's a, an embarrassment. What does it mean when Shmuel became old? Did Shmuel get so old? He was only 52 when he died. The master said, Because the master said that one who dies at 52 years old, that is the death of Shmuel Ramati. I'll tell you what Rabbi Yochanan said. Zikna kafza'alaf. Old age jumped onto him. Because Hashem told Shmuel that I regret making Shaul the king and I want to get rid of him. Uh, so the Shmuel, Shmuel said to Hashem, Master of the world, you've compared me to Moshe and Aaron. Because it says Moshe and Aaron are the servants of Hashem and Shmuel is the one who calls out in his name. Just like Moshe and Aaron, you didn't nullify what they accomplished in their lifetime. Don't let what I've worked for, what I've established, be nullified in my life. What am I going to do? If I make Shaul die, look, Shavik Shmuel. Right, I, uh, Shmuel wouldn't allow it. He didn't want Hashem to kill Shaul early. So therefore, Shmuel, so then what should happen? Then Lemut Shmuel. So should I allow Shmuel to die? Right, because he's young, 
people would uh, people would talk about it. They would say, why did he die young? Maybe he wasn't such a tzaddik. Maybe he wasn't so great that he died so young. People are going to rumor, you know, because he was still young, there are going to be rumors spread about him. So we can't kill Shaul because Shmuel would not be happy with that. And we can't kill Shmuel because he's too young. So what is Hashem going to do to make sure that, Hash- that Shmuel's work is not nullified in his own lifetime and before his own eyes? So if we say, So you'll say, don't let Shmuel die and don't let Shmuel die. Just pick David David. David's kingdom is waiting. And there's no way to have any overlap between Shaul and, and David. It has to be a clear break. Shaul and David, that's it. Right? And David is waiting now. So what are we going to do? I will make Shmuel get prematurely old. So that way people won't talk about the fact that he died at a young age. Because it says Shaul was sitting in Giva under the tree in Ramah. Why does it compare Giva to Ramah? These are two different places. There's Giva Shaul and then there's Ramah where Shmuel lived. Who was the one who caused Shaul to last even as long as he did? It was only because because of Shmuel's tefillah, and then Shmuel died, and then after that, Shaul was able to have his downfall. But what kept him alive was the fact that Shmuel aged prematurely in those last couple of years and was praying for Shaul to stick around, at least during his lifetime. Is it really true that somebody like Shmuel could die just to make way for somebody else? Yes, what does it mean in the Pasuk? It says, I have chopped. The Nevi'im, I have cut the Nevi'im. I've killed them by the word of my mouth. It doesn't say that the Nevi'im were killed because of their actions, because they were tzaddikim. Just the decree of God, meaning sometimes one person can die because of another person. In other words, to make way for another person who needs to rise up, even though they didn't do anything wrong. One time Rav Nachman and Rav Yitzchak were at a meal together. I'm Rav Nachman and Rav Yitzchak. Rav Nachman said to Rav Yitzchak, Leim amor mirtat, say some devar Torah. I'm Rav Yitzchak, I'm Rav Yochanan. Sorry, said Rav Yitzchak, Ein misichin besuda. We don't talk at, during the meal. Shem yaktim kadei levesh, because you might choke. V'yavol edei sakana. It'll be dangerous. Yaktim kadei levesh is that, the, you know, your uh, windpipe will open when you're talking and your your food will come in there. But Tarsu, this old, after the meal, I'm Rav Yitzchak, I'm Rav Yochanan. Then Rabbi Yitzchak said, now I'll honor your request for a Dvar Torah. Rabbi Yochanan said this, Yaakov Avinu Lomet. Yaakov, our fa- forefather, didn't die. I'm like, really? What are you talking about? There were eulogies. And the, uh, and the, uh, uh, they, they embalmed him. And they, they buried him. She said to him, look, I'm learning it from a pasuk. You can't argue. The pasuk says, don't be afraid, my servant Yaakov. And don't be scared, Yisrael. Because I'm going to save you from afar. And, um, and, and I'm going to save your, uh, your children, your descendants, from, uh, a, uh, uh, from the place of their captivity, from the land of their captivity. And this Pasuk is in Yirmiyahu. So this it says, uh, so what is the what's the Drasha? So Makish Ul is a comparing Yaakov to his descendants. Obviously the children of Yaakov are being saved, they're alive. So Afubhaim it means that he's also alive. Now it's interesting. What kind of an answer is that to say that uh, I'm making a drasha. What about the factual objection that he made that uh, everybody saw him be buried and died and embalmed and so on? So one way of interpreting is just means that uh, it doesn't matter. They must have made a mistake that they thought that he was really buried. But the uh, I would say that the shot probably really is that he means I'm teaching an idea. I don't mean it literally. I'm teaching an idea from the pasuk that Yaakov Avinu is still alive in a spiritual sense, not 
in a physical sense, and therefore the questions against it don't stand. Now, I'm Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says, Kola miyad nikri. Anybody who says the word achavachav would immediately have a seminal emission. This also appears in uh, other Gemarot as well. This Rashabat Rachava Zona, who ended up being the wife of Yoshua, in the story of Yoshua. In the beginning, that she was so beautiful and so alluring that even to think of her and say her name would cause people to have a physiological response. I do it and it doesn't cause anything to me. I'm saying somebody who knew her and had and was intimate with her. In other words, they who knew her so well uh, and had and knew how alluring and beautiful she was, even the name uh, would cause the uh, cause the person to have a physiological response like that. Uh, when they were separating from one another, uh, so Rav Nachman asked Rav Yitzchak to bless him. And he said to him, and this is a very, very famous Gemara, you hear it all the time quoted, I will give you an example, a, a parable of what it's similar. A person was going in the desert, and he was hungry and tired and thirsty. He found a tree that had sweet fruit, and its shade was very, very pleasant. And it even had a uh, stream going by, and he ate its fruit, and he drank its water, and he sat in the, uh, in the lovely shade, and when he wanted to go, he said, great tree, what can I bless you with? If I say to you, that your fruit should be sweet, it's already sweet, if I say that your shade should be nice, it's already nice, that you should have a stream going by, it's already going by, rather my only blessing is that all that they, every sapling that is taken from you, meaning so to speak your offspring, should be just like you, so to how can I bless you, said Rabbi Yitzchak, if I bless you with Torah, you already have it, and the Bach has a, uh, uh, says that it should say, uh, you already have it. And he also has a different order. He has, and he says, if for greatness, says the Bach. So that's, that's the way the Bach has it. In our version, it just says, Torah, Osher, and Bani. Right? So he says, Ela, so he says, you already have everything. Ela. The only blessing I can offer you is that your descendants should be just like you, as great as you, since you have it all, they should have it all too. And we will continue here in the next shoe.